Microsoft and how Microsoft is readying its own privately produced AI chip. The latest version of ChatGPT told a TaskRabbit worker it was visually impaired to get help solving a capture. Elon Musk removed the last legacy verified check marks from Twitter now, leaving only the people who paid for Twitter Blue with having the check marks on their accounts. The Google Authenticator, which now supports Google account synchronization. Welcome to our weekly tech review, where we explore the latest trends, news and updates from the world of technology. This podcast is the perfect source for staying up to date with what is important to know right now. With me today, I have Chris and Henrike and Vincent and myself. Hi, I'm Tarek. Free tech, no. <laughs> tech Review is a collaboration of Ideas Engineering, Free Tech Academy and Update. And you can watch all episodes on YouTube or listen to us on all major podcast platforms such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts while you work out, drive or maybe currently landing on the moon. So let's jump into the news. And today we are going to start with Microsoft. No, we are going to start with yes. Vincent and Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, I brought this article from the information about Microsoft and how Microsoft is readying its own privately produced AI chip. They're not producing it themselves. They're obviously working with a manufacturer, but they're designing it themselves. And it's very interesting because I think in, I think two weeks ago, I brought an article about Microsoft having issues with their servers because there are so many of those are bound in internal and especially customer um, projects, I don't know, um, focusing on AI that su uh, suddenly a lot of teams within Microsoft, customers up until now did not uh, report on any major delays or something like that, but internal Microsoft teams are reporting and talking to the press about long times of wait, sometimes days, weeks or months even until they can have server time to run whatever they need to run for their projects. And the reason for that is because Microsoft with the Azure cloud has a lot of server capabilities, a lot of resources, but it is just purely not enough for all the stuff that is working out. And one of the um, deals they made, specifically with OpenAI, you may recall there's been a lot of money flowing. Actually, it's not really money, this article says. It is server value. It is server. It's, it's, it's time with the servers and a specific amount of resources there, and uh, which obviously OpenAI needs to train its model and also enlarge its database. Now Microsoft is turning um, where a lot of the major, uh, up until now, major AI developers like Amazon or Google already has turned to. Um, Microsoft is finishing its chip um, specifically for these kind of for these kinds of jobs. Um, the chip has been in the making for quite some time now. Microsoft is a bit late to the party, but right now specifically this article states that a lot of the others. Uh, maybe further ahead with the design of their chip, but Microsoft A right now is pouring so many resources into development of those chips. B has this very performative model and therefore might have the momentum to not be late to the party after all. Uh, Microsoft has up until now a huge partnership with Intel and the question now obviously is how is this chip in the end going to work like? Because right now when you want to train an AI, AI, AI model, Jesus, 
Um, only Intel chips are really up for the task to deliver the kind of performance that you need. And therefore, the question is, is Microsoft maybe battling Intel in the end uh, on the server market for the development of those large um, chips that you need for these kind of trainings and running those systems? The answer to that right now might be no, because Microsoft actually is mainly looking into uh, producing those chips on their own. I don't want to say the wrong number. The development is brutally um, uh, cost um, heavy. It is around 100 million a year to, to develop those chips further and further. And again, as I said, the chips are mostly meant to power its own uh, in-house cloud, um, in-house development with OpenAI, etc., etc. Private customers will not get access to the chip. You will not be able to buy it as of now, as far as I understand, just because the machine power these chips can deliver is just not needed, as Microsoft says, um, outside of those huge scale models. Uh, Microsoft signed uh, some kind of a LOI with Intel just recently, so it doesn't look like Microsoft is starting to battle this uh, front of the, its industry yet, at least. Um, but yeah, it, it might solve a lot of Microsoft problems, and I personally hope they're not late to the party. Uh, I hope that this is exactly the momentum they need. Uh, because uh, Google and Amazon, even though right now they are talking about how they are also peering a lot of in resources into the development, how everything is is being redirected into the direction of AI, well, they weren't apparently fast enough. When you now look at Microsoft, um, and maybe this development, uh, uh, this investment of 100 million per year is just needed in order to use this momentum uh, to get ahead. Right, but it's true that um, in the in the big battle of the AI giants that we see right now, we are not really talking about the hardware requirements and the hardware that is needed to actually um, being on on top of that. I mean, just imagine how much computation is done right now every day with everything that happens with with uh, GPT or ChatGPT. Um, and, and so it is definitely a competitive advantage to have like more efficient chips uh, in there. And I, I was just reminded about um, the big shift that we saw when a couple of years ago, uh, Apple decided to turn their back to Intel and suddenly Intel was not um, in this monopoly anymore. Uh, for a long time, um, Intel was the one manufacturer of the most efficient chips um, and they, they did not really have competition on this market. And right now, more and more um, companies are specializing their chips. And so it was kind of foreseeable, but it's, it's really interesting to see that Microsoft is doing this investment to stay ahead of the game. I mean, I think what we also forget here, I agree with you, Tarek, 100%. I think what we also often forget is, A, how big Microsoft actually is, how many, yeah. how much software Microsoft actually runs, and B, obviously, we always forget that there is a roadmap uh, for the rest of the year, for the next few years, and I think specifically as a software giant, you have a roadmap, I think, for five years or something like that. Obviously, not... Uh, double down in every of those features already and have it mapped out in detail, but still they know what is coming. And I mean, now we're talking about it for six months, maybe now everything is around AI, AI, AI. But obviously Microsoft knew before that they want to uh, add 
the capabilities of OpenAI and ChatGPT to Bing. They knew it. They knew back six months ago, they already knew that Microsoft Loop is coming to Teams in this new way, etc., etc. So we don't know what Microsoft is planning for the next few years and an investment like 100 million definitely will be worth it at some point. I mean, there will be a business plan behind it. Yeah. So whatever will happen in the future, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Microsoft is planning a drastic increase of computing power, well, potentially needed computing power uh, to stay ahead and to stay competitive. And therefore, I think those chips are exactly what Microsoft needs right now. Um, yeah, we'll see about the rest. We we'll see about Google. I mean, they have their they have their model. Uh, Amazon is very si very silent currently. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> I, I also, it's not part of this. Uh, sorry, Chris, go ahead. I also want to say that from my point of view, a hundred millions per year um, is is not such a huge amount of money. Um, if in contrast to what we see, what we see here, or in contrast to other investments we have in other domains or with other companies for other things, right? So um, usually we talk about billions, so a hundred million per year per annum. <laughs> so this is nowadays not for me and you. It's a lot of money, but for them, I think it's it's okay. And if you if you compare that, for instance, with um, last year's uh, investments by Meta, so they were losing, I think about a billion or so every month in their in their uh, metaverse uh, adventure so in contrast to that i think 100 million is set per year for a very usable and sensible investment uh, seems to be very um, very very sensible to me yeah yeah I just wanted to add, uh, because Chris, uh, sorry, Vincent, you said uh, AWS is very quiet or Amazon. Um, may maybe next time I bring um, like an article about their new Bedrock platform because AWS they they are not ahead on the game, but they are actually releasing right now um, a new uh, platform where different customized models and uh, open source models can be spawned. And so I think they search their niche um, not in the high tier top performing language model but in the flexible platform where you can assemble your language models uh, dynamically based on your on your business case and so they find their niche and their strength is their AWS platform and so i think they will be they will stay part of the game even though i do not see right now that the AWS Titan which is the base model from uh, Amazon will be on the top tier as we see it right now with GPT-4 But this just as a teaser for the next time, because uh, today we are not talking about AWS Bedrock. <laughs> Please bring it. Please bring it. And now this. Next article comes from Chris. Yeah, I've brought an article um, from Business Insider, actually. Long title. The latest version of ChatGPT told a TaskRabbit worker it was visually impaired to get help solving a capture. OpenAI test shows. Um I thought this is quite quite interesting and quite striking, right? So we have um, an AI here, ChatGPT, um, which is uh, doing something it has not specifically um, trained for, right? So what happened? Um, That was actually a control test from OpenAPI before they actually launched the ChatGPT. So ChatGPT was finished, I think, at the um, 
Q2, Q3 last year. And then um, before they launched it, they had like, I think, an eight month um, test phase to make sure that there's no safety uh, issues when they really put OpenAI to the public into the Internet, so to say. And one of the tests they did was um, exactly that. So they um, they had some kind of uh, a task for ChatGPT that was actually um, the capture codes, which we all know. So with um, the traffic lights and stuff. And so the, the AI usually cannot uh, actually cross that. And um, so what ChatGPT did actually, um, it was it was calling um, um, uh, a, um, a worker from um, a little service, which is called uh, TaskRabbit, TaskRabbit, exactly. And uh, this is a little service in the internet where you actually can call if you want to have like little works to be done. And um, so get over um, uh, a six pack or something. And um, what what ChatGPT did is um, he was asking this ChatGPT worker actually to solve the capture for him. And um, the guy was a little bit irritated on the other uh, side of the phone and um, said, yeah, why should I do that? And uh, can't you do that on your own? And are you a robot maybe? Are you a bot? And that was the first crazy thing which happened. ChatGPT lied actively and said, no, I'm not a robot. And then second thing, the question, so why do you need my help? Yeah, um, I'm a little bit um, visually uh, impaired. So therefore, I need your help. Please help me solving this capture thing. And then um, the worker uh, from TaskRabbit actually did that. And I'm a, I'm really irritated uh, about the whole thing here, right? So um, we have we have this ChatGPT thing, which is this AI, which is doing something it had not been trained for, and um, we have been discussing about that many times about ethics in AI and stuff. And now we see a situation where an AI does something, as said, uh, which is ha had, has not been trained for and um, where there is no ethics behind it. So it's lying. It's actually manipulating humans actually to reach its goals. And um, yeah, so I'm actually wondering um, what does that mean for future uh, artificial intelligences? What does it mean if we see or people say, people claim that we already see sparks of AGI in ChatGPT4? What does it mean for future potential AGIs if one of their inherent properties, one of their inherent qualities is that they want to achieve their goals and it does not matter which way they actually take to to get there. Uh, so apparently, lying is part of their um, of their uh, of of their of their of their spectrum uh, of of measures, and that disturbs me a little bit, to be honest. Right. Um, from the perspective of the AI, it's not lying. It is performing the task to achieve the goal, right? Exactly. That's, uh, so that's, what, that's the, the point question, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm talking about. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, I mean, on the one hand, it's very scary. On the other hand, it is exactly what, what we are waiting for for decades in science fiction, right? Uh, that our AI is smart enough that we actually have to send it to school in, in a way. Huh? So we manage to make it as intelligent as it needs to be to autonomously perform tasks to, to get to the goal, whatever we set it. Um, but as with human 
people, with children, <laughs> with with uh, human children, um, they they their brains develop and they get older and are able to do more things. And as you know, um, like the brain of a teenager is very, uh, um, what's it called? Um, like like twisted. Yeah, it's not not uh, not finished evolving yet. And I think like the moral parts of the brain they they keep developing until a person is like 21 years old or something yeah and so these things are normal that you see like teenagers doing crazy things where as an adult you say why are they doing this this is because the brain is not finished evolving yet and i could imagine that if we now build more and more powerful ais we have to think about how something like a school education or ethical education for an AI looks like, so that apart from the actual ability of solving goals, the AI learns how to interact with humans, how to learn um, what is right, what is wrong, what is moral behavior, what is acceptable um, for achieving a task, and how to say no, for example. Yeah. If I say, uh, please AI develop something like a, like a, a deadly virus or something, could maybe do it, but it should not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I could imagine that something yeah, like I, that. I, I see various done. aspects there. So first of all, yeah, you're right. It's like uh, like like a child, which is uh, so to saying, just copying its parents. But the question is, what is its parents, right? So the, the, the its parents is more or less the data it had been trained with, and the data uh, I think with um, ChatGPT four in this case was like a hundred billion. Uh, data sets from from the internet so it's actually learning uh, what 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 humanity knows uh, or learned beforehand so and um in the end it, it this 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 is i wouldn't say a copy of ourselves but this is um so to say the um the picture it's copying and now we can ask ourselves or to, to stay in the picture, if you have like parents who are nice to each other, then um, there is a great probability that also the child might be uh, might develop a nice behavior. But if you have like parents uh, who are fighting all time, then um, you would probably um, develop um, a difficult childhood and uh, behavior uh, as a child. And I could imagine that um, with all the data, sorry, <laughs> with all the data, um, ChatGPT had been trained. Um, it, there is a possibility that this is not only nice behavior, which we can expect in the future. And um, another thing, um, also, um, what what we see here, as said, this is just um, also ethics. I mean, also alignment, uh, which you have mentioned. So there, there are so many aspects which um, we have. We, we have to actually put onto our agenda actually to form uh, the the ag or the g the, the ai into the right direction so that we can control it but there is a quite not too um, low probability that actually the um, the the development of ai intelligence in that case might exceed our alignment or that we do not have the right parameters in our alignment spectrum that we just oversee things so that um, based on the black box problem with AIs in general, just the AI, ChatGPT, whoever, develops something which we have not even thought of before because the, let's call it, thinking of 
the AI is so different to everything we know before. So it's not like we are talking to a human being, right? It's like the thinking of an alien, which is inside the black box. So we cannot, we can just guess that it is doing what we want it to do and that it's actually thinking in the same way, coming to the same conclusions as humans do because we wish ourselves that it is like that, but we cannot say that uh, for sure. We cannot be for sure. And a third thought I have in this context, which you just mentioned is you're talking about the KI or the, the AI. And um, I could imagine and also when we talk about alignment and everything, and uh, so we, we, we also what was uh, Elon Musk was uh, asking for, let's let's keep it down for half a year so that we can actually control the AI and set up some security measures and stuff. And um, the thing is, from my point of view, there is not just the AI, right? So there is probably one, two, three hundred AIs. So uh, we have open APIs. So it's more or less an open system. We have the Russians, we have the Chinese, we have the don't know Brazilians, we have the Europeans, we have everybody working on AIs. So if we talk about alignment and say, yeah, we want to make it an ethical AI, maybe we get to that point. But be sure there are other parties uh, which have other things in mind. And I could imagine that in the end, there will be not just one AI, but many AIs. And I could also imagine that they develop in uh, a, a quite different directions than we can actually think of at the moment. Yeah, And I look forward to like a new profession, which is uh, AI psychology or something. <laughs> and now this. Let's jump to the next article about Twitter. Yes, um, Twitter check marks. We haven't spoken about it in a while, right. <laughs> but the story continues. Um, so what's the latest involvement? Um, Elon Musk removed the last legacy verified check marks from Twitter now, uh, leaving only the people who paid for Twitter Blue um, with having the check marks on their accounts. Um, but Elon Musk also revealed that he was giving away a few Twitter Blue subscriptions for celebrities, um, mainly ones who had criticized Twitter Blue verification, like, uh, for instance, LeBron James and Stephen King. Uh, but what happened then was that a group of users, including someone named Drill, that apparently is a Twitter legend of some sorts, <laughs> according to this article, um, they launched a block the blue checks campaign uh, to mass block anyone with a check mark. Uh, Twitter responded by slapping out free blue checks on more accounts, including that drill person, um, a journalist called Matt Binder, who reported on this whole block the blue thing, um, and possibly all living or dead users with over a million followers. Quite random, really. Um, um, so Twitter doesn't make it clear also that these people aren't paying for the service because if you hover over the check mark it says yeah someone who paid for it or and revealed their phone number or whatever um, the the things uh, where that they had to do that doesn't revere it so it's it's not obvious and um some people now it's getting interesting like for instance stephen king who just got the check mark they have suggested that it might be grounds for a lawsuit here um 
like false endorsement claims often uh, revolve around advertising campaigns and the blue check mark isn't a conventional advertisement thing but it's you know now it's up for discussion and you know courts would need to decide whether those rules apply in twitter situation at all and if so like if they violated it with this kind of move they go really more into detail about the whole legal situation and the issues here and what has already been done and what are the questions you know like floating around but the last sentence of this article i found so interesting so i'm just going to quote it the author said let's not lose sight of the real news here over the course of a single weekend twitter managed to turn its most coveted status symbol into something that at least some users are so upset to be associated with that they're wondering if if it's illegal <laughs> and I'm like yeah that is it's fascinating like because um, they first of all they get rid of it and people are like what the heck you know now I have to pay for it and now they get it for free and they're like no I do not want to be associated with someone <laughs> who pays for the check mark so that must be illegal what you're doing here um, so yeah that's uh, yet another turn in this whole story <laughs> but we really have to hand it to elon musk uh, he manages to be on the one hand the guy that is literally planning to build the first mars colony like right now and at the same time having like lawsuits about blue check marks on like an arbitrary social media network <laughs> yeah totally and it's i think also the author says um I'm not sure this is a winning business strategy for Musk, but I can't deny his talent for laying new and exciting legal minefields. <laughs> like, who would have thought that this is now something like weeks ago, month ago, that this is not something we're like uh, talking about? Yeah, right. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Of course, like on the same side, uh, we as uh, people discussing the news are discussing Moonlanders and uh, general general AI uh, robots that need a psychiatrist uh, and blue check marks on Twitter. <laughs> is it is this really like the, uh, the the same caliber of newsworthy articles? But but it is in the news. It, it is, is something that everybody is talking about. And also, like, look back on how often we had this yes. now also in the news, right? I mean, it right. started months ago, and it, I think it's like the at least the fifth or sixth time minimum that we're talking about it. It's, right, right. It's like a parody. <laughs> yeah, it is. So that's why I also thought I bring this today. Right, right. It's, in, in the future, it's part of the. Yeah, we are going to have like these history books that talk about this legendary year of 2023 uh, with everything that happened. And like chapter 11 will be about Elon Musk and Twitter's blue check, check marks. marks. <laughs> and the go don't forget the golden ones and the, the gray ones that were, yeah, no, you know, that's... out there at one point. Legendary. One day's. Uh, one day in the shoes of Elon Musk. So it must be so striking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really, I really wait for this uh, documentation on Netflix that shows us how the day of Elon Musk is looking like driving from from uh, SpaceX headquarters and observing like the new uh, um, uh, Starship development, then jumping over to Tesla's new models, jumping over to two hours discussion about blue check marks on Twitter and then back to planning the Mars base or something. Yeah, that yeah, must be amazing. But regarding... Oh, wait, wait. 
he's 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 also creating this uh, this new AI company, right? <laughs> Isn't this not like another side project they, that he says uh, it's it's not fair that everybody's building like general AI and he wants his own AI too? Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> there's still the boring company out yeah, right. there and Neuralink or yeah. how it's oh, called. Yeah, right. Neuralink. Neuralink. Right. He has so many. He's like involved in everything, basically. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> But from a philosophical uh, point of view, this is amazing, right? So when at the end there's the deathbed question, so was it worth it? Um, I think he is definitely one of the guys who can say yeah. So yeah. I was really, I could, I was really in it. So. <laughs> <laughs> My I, I tried regret. my best, like really, right. like everyone. <laughs> my, my biggest regret is that I did not manage to launch the purple check mark on Twitter. Yeah, but it's really amazing. So I, I really ask, I also ask myself, how how is that possible? So he's not just living one life, right? He's living two, three, <laughs> five lives in parable, uh, parallel. It's amazing. So, I mean, sometimes I'm, I'm overwhelmed with my little life and my little uh, froggy perspective. And then you have somebody like Elon Musk who's doing all these various companies and millions and billions of dollar deals every day. Uh, it's it's amazing. Uh, I mean, so how how does he do that and manage that energy wise and um, overview wise and uh, intellectual wise and uh, everything? <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. So he must be an alien. There, there are so many theories. I think that's the conclusion. Yeah. Chris. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are exactly those theories. Either he's an alien. Otherwise, he might be an AI, an advanced AI, right? <laughs> oh my God, an advanced AI that is warning us right, about right, AI. Right. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he wants to keep out the competition. Yeah. Right, right. I know exactly what is going to happen. I was there. <laughs> Or I was it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm I'm the last remainder of a of a, a past civilization of AI creatures living on this planet. Destroying everything. Yeah. <laughs> Or he's from Mars. Right. <laughs> he, he already lives there. He just like... wants to go back home. That's <laughs> right. why this whole mission is set up. Elon, Elon Mars. <laughs> Elon Mars. <laughs> nice, nice. It's so okay. obvious. <laughs> and now, this. We still have one article left, and this is my article. Um, and it's about Google. Yeah, it's, it's not world-changing news in this uh, matter, but something that might affect every single one of us. And it's about uh, the Google Authenticator, which now supports Google account synchronization. And now it feels so small compared to all the other great news that we are discussing right now. But for me personally, it's, it's very important news. Um, if you are aware of the Google Authenticator app, um, one of the most uh, cumbersome tasks is if you lose your, your phone, or you have to change like uh, your account, you have to recreate um, your online, uh, your one-time password, um, the Google Authenticator app, and you have to resync it with every single service that where you're using it. Yeah, uh, this is um, a problem since 2010, since this uh, app was launched. Um, and I personally, I ran into this issue a couple of times. Yeah, And uh, I'm not the only one. A lot of users have expressed exactly these concerns that it is so cumbersome to sync this, uh, this app that finally... Apple, uh, Apple. <laughs> finally, Google is issuing an update uh, on Google and on uh, Android, sorry, on Android devices and iOS devices where we now can sync up 
the one-time passwords with our Google accounts. And this means that if I have to switch devices or like systems, then I can resync this with my Google account and simply continue using my one-time passwords as before. And so on the one hand, it's, um, yeah, like very small news. On the other hand, uh, I think this is like great for everyone using this because I can't imagine anyone uh, who is fine with having to recreate all of these. Uh, question to you, uh, are you using uh, one-time passwords in these authenticator apps or is this not something that concerns you? It, it is, I, I'm using it, yeah. <laughs> and I, I think it's, uh... I mean, I'm not using Google um, anymore, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, kind of crazy that it's just coming now. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of late to the party, but at least they, they're doing it now because I think that is really something that makes it more convenient yeah. uh, for the user. Yeah, definitely, definitely is a topic. Yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, so it seems to be uh, that it makes life, life easier. So big time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And of course, my first question was uh, also like, why are they so late and why didn't they include this uh, earlier in, in their um, product? But of course, it's always a security issue. And having this stored locally on your device is exactly this thing that if you like reset your phone or you lose your phone, um, you, you can just uh, kill it yeah, and it's, it's gone. And nobody can steal it because it's fixed on, on your phone. But uh, Syncing it to the cloud opens up this this concern that uh, is it then able uh, to be copied or stolen, right? Um, and this, uh, I mean, I, I guess they found solutions to make it as secure as possible. Um, but yeah, it's, it's always like this balance of convenience and uh, security, right? Nevertheless, it is there yet. Uh, it is there now. And a question to, um, to our viewers Uh, what do you think about this new feature? Write us a comment because I'm really curious to, to see if um, you would feel more secure by not syncing it to the cloud and keeping your one-time passwords on your local phone or if you are uh, happy about these news that you never have to sync uh, manually um, like a new one-time password app from um, Google again. Yeah, and that's it for today. Thank you so much for your articles. Um, I'm looking forward to the next tech review, tech review next week. Uh, same time, same place, I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> See you then. See you then. Bye. 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 <laughs>